John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica. And this is the High Gain Podcast, John. It is such a good High Gain Podcast, you won't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, today, I think we should talk about guitars. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah? Yeah. Great. We're into it. We are agreed. Where are you recording from, John? Again, I am in the basement in beautiful West Seattle. Me too. It's rainy. I think we warned people it was coming a week or two ago. And it's here. The gloom is back. Oh, baby. I love it. You know? You could go outside and pretend you're in the middle of a Twilight movie or, you know, take your pick of something gloomy. Yeah. Gloomy. Yeah. I made a new D&D character Ooh. for a new campaign I'm starting, and I made a <laughs> Goliath Berserker. A Goliath Berserker? Yeah. And for, like, a character picture, uh-huh. I looked up Norwegian black metal, <laughs> you know. There's probably a cool berserker-looking dude in the Norwegian metal scene. <laughs> Those dudes are serious. Totally. You could just be, like, going to the bus stop, and, like, out of the fog comes some, like, Norwegian black metal dude also waiting for the bus. Hell yeah. That would be great. <laughs> you know what else? There's a lot of crows in Seattle. You're into the crows. You feed them. I do feed them. There's the sidewalk, and then there's the little grassy area, right? Don't some people call that the kill strip? Ooh, cool. I don't know. I think they should. But the crows, when it gets rainy out, they start going for the worms. Yeah. So this, like, murder of crows has just been pulling up all the grass in that kill strip and then throwing the grass onto the sidewalk. Three houses in a row are just ripped to shreds. They've been coming and just tearing up our yard. (laughs) I started typing and I typed crows, space, and then the first autocomplete was crows tearing up my lawn. (laughs) 
Beverages, Ed. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I actually was just sitting here with my mouth open. Did you recognize what that was? Nope. That, Ed, was I'm Losing You. Yeah. By John Lennon. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. Do people care if you don't know John Lennon songs? If Ed doesn't know? Yeah. I'm sure people will give Ed a pass. I think people are predisposed to giving Ed a pass. <laughs> that's, that's good. They're not going to make any untoward assumptions, Ed. Don't you worry. Okay, good. Do you have a beverage today, John? I do have a beverage, Ed. I have a chocolate drink. Oh. Protein chocolate shake drink. Did you make it, or is it like a... It comes in a bottle, and I don't think it has any particular slogan unless shake vigorously and serve chilled is their slogan. I bet there's big corn in it. Uh, The first ingredient? Yeah. Water. Okay. Protein, cream, cocoa. Hey, look at that. No big corn in this bad boy. Nice. Yeah. You know what else, Ed? What? I've got my black coffee, too. Oh, great. What about you? I drank the entire pot of coffee. That's gone. So I made a espresso. I like to follow up my entire pot of coffee with an espresso. Yeah, yeah. And then I have an Ikea cider apple beverage. Wait, did you say Ikea? Yeah. An Ikea branded beverage. Yes, cider apple. (laughs) Did it come in a kit and you had to make it yourself? (laughs) Yeah, they flat packed it. (laughs) It's in a tall boy can. All organic ingredients, sustainable soil health even. Yes. Sure. Guess what we've got here today, Ed? Um, a Strat. Yes. <laughs> this particular Strat comes into existence for a very particular reason and leaves existence a short time later for an equally specific reason. Okay. Does it have anything to do with John Lennon? Kind of does. Yeah. Okay. The John Lennon song I played, I'm Losing You, comes out on the last album he would make called Double Fantasy in 1980. Okay. That album came out towards the end of October, and December 8th, 1980, John Lennon would be shot and killed. Ringing in the 80s. Yeah. Weak. But one of the last guitars he had was this particular Strat. It was given to him by Fender, and there are pictures online of him playing this guitar. Did he get the guitar post-recording, or is it on Double Fantasy? I could see no indication that it was on Double Fantasy. Okay. Fender gave him one with the hope that he would like it and use it, and nothing came of that because of events. I know who killed him. Yes. But we don't need to say that name, because, like, fuck that guy. Yeah. What's weirdy about this Strat? Okay, so on the face of it, it looks very similar to any Strat you might see. 
This one happens to be natural. Okay. Same shape pickguard, three pickups, tremolo, pickup selector switch, and the knobs. Is it still big headstock? It is not. Oh. It was the 1970s, and Stratocasters actually were at the height of their popularity. And the kind of ironic part about that was that for being as popular as they ever were, the quality of Stratocasters was some weak bullshit. <laughs> so why were they so popular if the quality was so shitty? Artists were playing used ones and older models. They were popular as in people played them, but people did not buy them? Is that what you're saying? That is correct. Okay. A lot of musicians you would see were playing strats. They just weren't playing the new ones because it was widely understood that the new ones had quality issues and they were kind of shitty. Okay. I don't know if you remember the president of Fender at the time, old Bill Schultz. Schultzy, Yeah. He was noticing this. What are we going to do to try to get these people back? Let's see if we can kind of blend the old features and quality that everybody likes and maybe inject some newer features that are more attractive to people. Okay. He starts in 1979 with the 25th anniversary Stratocaster. That's the like champagne color or whatever? Over the years, it kind of greens out, but it started silver. That 79 one with the anniversary logo on the upper horn and stuff? Yeah. I think I just thought they were hideous forever, and I'm developing a really weird sweet spot for that guitar. I kind of like it now. It marks a milestone because it is the return to the higher quality that Schultze insisted upon. Nice. I mean, they might as well have said, hey, all you factory dudes, we are going to reteach you what it is to make a good guitar. It's like a reset. Sure. So the first instrument to come out under that reset would have been that 25th anniversary. Remember the neck plate that has three screws in it? Yep. Get rid of that. Let's go back to the four bolt neck plate. And then remember the little bullety thing that comes out of the headstock for the truss rod? Yep. Get rid of that. Let's go back to the regular old truss rod. I'm way into the bullet thing. It just looks cool. Well, yeah. And the large 70s headstock. Let's get rid of that. That's the worst decision Fender has ever made. I like the big headstock, too, I gotta admit. That 70s headstock kills. I love it. Nonetheless, the smaller headstock sure. comes out in 79. But they go a step further, Ed. Now they want to think about newer features, even. Mm -hmm. Schultze gets with the R&D department. Let's take a second look at these electronics. You know the knobs on a Strat? Volume, volume, tone, or whatever the hell it is? <laughs> Yes. This one is volume, master tone, and then a two-way rotary switch. Okay. Two positions. Off, on, off, on, off, on. So if I'm in the up position of this rotary switch, it's normal Strat Town. Let me turn off this 1981 Inventions DRV pedal. Tone in the middle. Now I'm on the neck position, normal Stratty. Bridge. And then all the stuff in between. The normal strat stuff you would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. If I turn that rotary knob down there, I get an additional four options. Okay. At first, I was like, oh, God, who needs all this shit to memorize? But I think I like it, Ed. Okay. Put the neck and the middle pickups together in series. Okay. It acts as a humbucker. Okay. <laughs> 
Sure. The next one you get is the middle pickup and the bridge in series, as if they are a humbucker. Then you get the neck and the bridge together parallel. And lastly, you get the neck and bridge together in parallel with the middle pickup thrown in there as a series. Sounds confusing, but the long and short of it is that if you want fatter options than the normal three pickups will give you in normal strat mode, you can kind of get them. I don't know. Seems dumb. Thoughts? As you're describing it, what it reminds me of is the Gibson Nighthawk. Yeah. Remember they have the like five-way switch and maybe push-pull knobs and shit? Right. Cutting the humbucker down to a single coil, trying to get that Gibson to sound like a Strat. And no one wants that. I don't think I mind having the option to just fatten my sound up. That's why I have a Telecaster Custom, because I want the bridge, a Telecaster, but then I want the humbucker in it. You know, you can throw a humbucker in a Strat. That is a thing you can do. Absolutely. You could go to the store and just buy one. Not in 1980, you couldn't. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay, fair. Well, so who did this? Yeah. They hired a consultant to do that design for them. I'm ready for this name. I'm ready to know this name. Remember Dan Armstrong? Yes, of course. The guy who made the Lucite guitar? Dan with the drop-in pickups? I know Dan... Yeah, he designed the wiring for this. Cool guy, Dan. Oh. We lost Dan in 2004. He was 69. <laughs> That's like his final joke. Maybe the joke is on us, Ed, because old Dan? Yeah. He was part of that whole trying to figure out what was what with Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Oh, yeah? He was one of the people that I guess she dated at the time. Oh, it could have been him. There is rumor that maybe it was him. It's Warren Beatty. Oh, so that's known? That is a known thing. In 2015, she said it in her memoir. Mystery solved. Yeah. Last night, I watched The Parallax View, starring Warren Beatty. Oh. It takes place in Seattle. Ooh. In the very beginning, there's an assassination in the Space Needle. And there's like this whole fight scene on the roof of the Space Needle. <laughs> And it is wild when you watch it, because that movie is 1974, I think. And that South Lake Union area, it's empty. There's nothing there. And the downtown core, it's just almost barren, you know? Before the cool arrived. Exactly. Before all those cool Amazon people, those super cool people like Bezos. He's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The Black Lives Matter people built a... Uh, guillotine in front of one of his houses yes that's a thing that ikea should start flat packing guillotines <sighs> it's a pain in the ass putting it together ahead of time and having to cart it over to the billionaire's house you could just bring it in the box and do it on site exactly that's exactly right would it include the little handy Allen wrenches? It would include the little handy Allen wrenches and maybe a <laughs> far falled basket that the head plops into. Uh-huh. <laughs> Flat-packed guillotines. That's great. The thing with IKEA shit is it just, like, falls apart. You get a little use out of it. That's fine. How many billionaires do we have to go through? Not that many. 
if it's like regular Ikea stuff, it's kind of like your starter guillotine. Once you're married and have kids, it's like, wow, we can afford a better quality guillotine. Room and board, maybe design within reach. I'd like a nice design within reach. You know, a nice teak guillotine. (laughs) I think that's great, Ed. This guitar debuted in 1980, as I said. Also taking place in 1980, the explosion of Mount St. Helens. Absolutely. For people that don't know about what's going on in our fair state of Washington or why this is anything of note on the volcanic explosion index that goes from one to seven, Mount St. Helens was a five. Okay. In fact, it created the largest known debris avalanche in recorded history. That's the pyroclastic flow? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It explodes and sends everything in its way down the mountain. Trees, rocks, dirt. There was a lake on top of the mountain. So like a whole lake went down the mountain. That was pretty big in 1980. I mentioned that the hardware is gold on this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not just the gold hardware you imagine, like, on any guitar. Okay. When I say the hardware is gold, yeah, I mean the hardware is fucking gold, Ed. Like 18 carat? 22 carat. Oh. It is 22 carat gold electroplated hardware. Cool. Has it worn off at all? Like, Yeah, it's kind of tarnished and pitted a little bit, but, I mean, for being gold, it's in pretty good shape because, you know, it's gold. Yeah. There was and is still speculation that Fender was taking a loss on every guitar made because of the cost of that gold plating. (laughs) I don't know anything about gold, but 22 carat, is that good? I don't know. You hear like 18 carat gold. So 22 seems higher. That number's higher. So that seems better. The higher the carats, the better maybe? I, I don't know. But, you know, it's gold. So what is this Strat called? They called it literally the Strat. It's on the headstock. S-T-R-A-T, all caps. Strat. Huh. It's got the matching headstock, which is pretty great. They had official colors and they had unofficial colors. Yeah. The official colors at launch were red, white, and blue. So candy apple red, Lake Placid blue, and Arctic white. The unofficial ones that you would see subsequently include the one I hold, which is all natural. Uh, They had a black one. A gold one, Olympic white, blue, all kinds of different colors. They also had a natural one that was black walnut with a black pick guard. Oh, yeah, I see that. Now, if you look at the bridge, do you notice a kind of fat hunk of metal behind it? Yeah. That is incorporated into the bridge to add sustain. It ended up allowing a lot of people to call it the brass caster. Yeah. Kind of another cool thing is that the bridge pickup is a specially made pickup for this guitar called the X1. Okay. They wound it a little hotter, so that thing's got some uh, oomph to it. Oh. If I play just the bridge, regular strap mode. Play it in strap mode, yeah. It pushes. Give me the middle pickup. Middle pickup, Okay. I think you and I have talked about how gold hardware is just not our thing. I am not into it. Yeah. Our particular example here that I hold in my hand. Yeah. Somebody beat the living shit out of this thing. Yeah. 
I don't know if it's weathering or neglect or what, <laughs> but the finish is dark and crackling. Like, did somebody dip this in a vat of cigarettes? Yeah. Picture a natural finish, but beat to hell and darkened. It's kind of cool that way. I'm not disinterested in this guitar. I am not disinterested in this guitar either. This guitar in the kind of pantheon of strats yeah. isn't quite on everybody's radar yet. Totally. It was only made for three years. And remember, the idea was to up the quality. And I can definitely feel that. Yeah. How much do you think this thing debuted for in 1980, the Fender Strat? I think it was north of the $2,000 benchmark. Yes. And I think in 1980, this guitar was $724. That's a pretty good guess, Ed. In $1980, this thing was $995. God damn. In today dollars, that's 3100 bucks. Wow. It's interesting to note that in $1980, yeah. that's 250 more than a regular stock Strat would have been. Wow. So a stock Strat was like 700 something. They try to upsell you for another 250 to get you into gold hardware. Not many people went for this. Like I said, it feels like that failed Gibson experiment to me. You're right. But, you know, if I'm in the regular Strat setting, it sounds super duper clean. It's a fine guitar. Sure. But it fell victim to history. In 1982, the march of people still playing older Strats yeah. continues. And Schulte is noticing this. We came out with the anniversary Strat in 79. Then we introduced the Strat in 80. Nonetheless, people are still getting the used ones and playing them. So he's reading the writing on the wall, Schulte, and he's realizing there's something going on here. And he was right. It was sort of the beginning in 1982 of, what do we call it now, like the vintage market? Yeah. I imagine then you could get a 20-year-old beat-up Strat that probably played amazing, totally broken in, and you could get it for half of what that The Strat cost. I think you're probably right, yeah. You said they reset the quality bar. Yes. But it almost sounds like they reset the quality bar and then jacked the price up on this top-of-the-line model. They didn't reset the quality bar and keep the costs the same. They're charging a premium for quality from the 60s that you could get at half the price. I think you have hit the nail directly on the head, Ed. And I think that is exactly what Schultze noticed. Yeah. So in 1982, he combines the best of both those worlds and does exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. They keep the quality high. They add more of the kind of vintage features that everybody seems to be liking. It is the introduction of what we know now as the AVRI series. Great. So now, in 1982, you can get a vintage spec guitar that doesn't have new fancy shit on it. It's more like the vintage stuff all your guitar heroes are playing. Yep. So now you can actually have it without breaking the bank. Perfect. And that became super duper popular. Yes. So popular 
that just a year later, by 1983, they're thinking, yeah, I mean, this is going great. I don't think we need to make the Strat anymore. Hell no. So they discontinued it. Yeah. Another downside to these. Yeah. I don't think Schultze and crew were spending a whole lot of time making sure that these things fell within a kind of moderate weight range. (laughs) (laughs) that was a massive complaint of those 70s guitars yeah they didn't bother to address that this one feels very heavy to me yeah so i actually weighed it this thing is 9.9 pounds okay just under 10 pounds which puts it in average les paul territory but apparently these things could go as much as 11 pounds (laughs) i've got a 76 p bass and that thing is massive but do i care No, because it's my go-to recording bass, and I'm usually just sitting down anyway. Who cares? Your mileage may vary. So if you're looking for a Strat, all caps, to play live with, I guess you got to be in good shape. (laughs) If you want one to just record with, yeah, man, go for it. I don't own a Strat right now, and it's a guitar I would very much like to own. Right. That would not be very high on my list, I don't think. I think it's all how it plays. What delay was that? That was the Catalin Bread Bell Epoch again. Okay. I also had uh, the Sputnik 3 on there for a brief moment. Pretty fuzzy. What do you think of that thing? The Sputnik? Yeah. I really like it. Sputnik from our good friend Spaceman down there in Portland, Oregon. Beautiful PDX. And that is, Ed, the Strat. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing pictures of it, and I wouldn't mind playing it just to kind of check it out. But I'm a simple man, John. You know that. Yep, I do know that. I don't need 10 variations in tone. I think the bottom line on this for the viewers is that if you're looking for a Strat that is maybe not as high on the radar as some other vintage examples and can still be had for a reasonable price, yeah, look for a Strat. All caps, Strat. Yeah. I don't know. Will this thing continue to appreciate to the point where it becomes prohibitive like a lot of other vintage Strats? I don't know. Maybe? Yeah. It's time for an update. Guess what we did this week, Ed? Uh, Did we start pushing out a Discord channel? We did. So anybody who wants to talk with us and other viewers Mm -hmm. in real time, Mm -hmm. man, we've got all kinds of, what are they even called with the hashtag next to them? Channels? Channels. Yeah. We've got beverages. We've got pedals. We've got other podcasts we've got a general all-around discussion we've got an abba sucks room that's very active yeah very (laughs) very active (laughs) hasn't even been a week yet yeah that we've had it up we've had lots of activity oh yeah if you're on discord head on over to the high gain podcast yeah come on in and chat with all the other people yeah yeah some of the rooms are locked down for those patreon folks so if that's your thing, maybe go to patreon.com slash the high game. 
Yes. And then you will be added to the Patreon posse. Sick. Otherwise, all the other channels apply, all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Still have not gotten around to the Etsy. YouTube. YouTube also. We're everywhere. The empire is growing. It is growing. You did really good today, John. Oh, you did really good today, Ed. Okay. Okay, bye, Ed. Bye. Bye.